Welcome to Stay at Home, Mom, with your illustrious host, Leslie Goodgesell, mother to six beautiful daughters, wife to an amazingly hardworking and supportive husband, homeschooler, and homesteader in the making. Join me on this journey, this blessing of what motherhood looks like. to this week's episode of Stay at Home, Mom, where we are journeying through an investigation, really, of all different moms and their experiences with becoming a mom. And what did I title this? But birthing people, because how politically correct can you be? (laughs) Didn't do it for that purpose, but that's just what the Lord laid on my heart. So that's what we're going with. This week, I would like to introduce everyone to a beautiful young mama who really kind of puts me to shame with the knowledge and the wisdom that she has at her age. Her name is Courtney, and we are going to call this episode Take Three because this is my third interview. So with that, Courtney, welcome to the Stay at Home Mom podcast. I am so glad that you're here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I have only known you for a very short amount of time. I was blessed to meet you through a friend's church and their women's group really is kind of where we connected the most. You have shared some amazing stories and I have been absolutely astounded with the wisdom and the knowledge that you have at such a young age. So can you introduce yourself to everybody, kind of your background And I don't know, maybe the process, the steps up to becoming a mom and where you are as a mom of multiples. (laughs) Yeah, um, I honestly never thought I would be on a podcast about momming um, because I went through my whole teenage years. My name's Courtney. I go by Courtney Adele on all social media platforms. I'm a Christian musician. And so I wanted to do the whole career thing. I wanted to do, you know, touring and doing more business stuff. And I joke that I kind of created a never list a long time ago that I would never, ever do these things. I would never get married, never have kids, never get tattoos, never do these things because I just didn't want to do them. And the Lord has been successfully crossing those things <laughs> one at a time. I met my husband when I was 15, so that tells you how quickly he was like, um, no. <laughs> so my husband and I met in high school. We had just such a great friendship and we were so excited to just get ready and like do our lives together. We didn't have kids for the first four years of our marriage. We went to college. I was heavy, heavy, heavy all about like the birth control stuff. And then slowly the Lord started to wake my heart up to a holistic lifestyle. I was dealing with a lot of anxiety and depression and just felt very off that I couldn't explain, but I knew that it had a lot to do with what I was eating and a lot to do with how I was medicating. And the Lord put it on my heart in 2020, after all the stuff that started happening in the world, that I needed to surrender, like everything, all of it. That included all of my ideas about birthing. I had such a fear of having children. I I wanted to adopt, but I didn't want to physically have children. It scared me. I was terrified of needles. 
And so I just was like, I didn't want to have the whole like Hollywood birth where the, you know, woman's screaming in the hospital, you know, in that position and the doctors being like, oh, I didn't want to do that. It is very intimidating. I agree. Like the thought of that is scary. Of course. I think that's Hollywood's whole agenda, though, is to make it look as terrifying as it possibly can so that more and more women don't want to have kids and they they start to demonize the idea of becoming a mom. Agree. And so, you know, we all know that kind of has a pol- not a political pull, but a, a demonic pull where Satan hates it that women can birth. He hates it that we have this ability that the Lord blessed us with. And so the Lord was breaking me free of those things before I even knew what he was doing. And it was such a beautiful thing. When I got off birth control, my depression and anxiety was gone. And I felt like 19. Oh, my goodness. That is crazy. I learned so much more after the fact. I I had a book called The Period Repair Manual. I don't remember the author But it was a great resource for understanding what exactly we've been, what lies we were fed as like young girls, especially about the birth control pill and ways that we can effectively have good periods without it always hurting or having longer periods than you should. Because the first thing they do as, you know, you go to to a doctor is go, well, just get on the pill. It'll regulate everything. Right. I learned all these things about it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you didn't tell me that I could like lose my mind in the process or not even be able to give birth one day, even if I decided that was what I wanted to do. So I had my outrage moment for a while about like, how dare you? (laughs) That made me even more go into the holistic stuff. And um, not like two months later, we found out we were pregnant. I had surrendered that to the Lord. I had had dreams about my first child and I just felt it would be a girl. And so I already knew her name was going to be Rayland. And I just kept telling Seth, I just keep having these dreams of this baby girl. And it's just so beautiful. I can't even justify my fear when I have these dreams. It's too beautiful to let fear even be in the room. And so he was untying all those those knots in me before I even, again, before I even knew what he was doing. He is an amazing father, isn't he? It's the most beautiful relationship if we allow it to be, if we are open to whatever he wants to do in our lives, how he ministers to us in the most intricate and divine ways. He cares so much about our hearts, so much more than we care about our own heart. Such a beautiful story. Yeah, I didn't know I was in bondage. I mean, I I was a Christian. I knew I had Jesus, but I didn't live a free life. And so I was letting the enemy decide my future. I was not letting myself give myself completely to the Lord. And I was in bondage for so long that I physically manifested, you know, anxiety and depression. And there's a lot linked to the pill and all those things. But I do think there's a spiritual battle for my soul through that. But if I would have surrendered like I did, I would get that freedom that I was so desperately seeking that it didn't matter if that meant having children when I never wanted to have children. Like, not that I didn't want to have them. I wanted to take care of children. I just didn't want to deal with the scary stuff about it. The, the birth. <laughs> the birth, the part, birth but part. As one of my friends who is an adoptive mom, and she is my first episode of the series. Her name is Liz. And she was like, it's just gross. Like everything about like there's not one term related to birthing that appealed to me at all. <laughs> I never wanted to do it. 
And if you are a woman who thinks it's just like, oh man, I want to do all of that, that's like a special calling on your life. I just don't feel like the majority of us ever watch any sort of like birthing documentaries and go, that sounds awesome. <laughs> that sounds like I would agree. <laughs> right. So I, I think that that's okay that I had a little aversion to it for a long time. There was just a lot of that. I'm so young. I don't even know what my body will do. And the responses, honestly, I, I let myself get way too leaning on my own understanding and way too much of just like trying to decide for myself what I needed. And I just don't know that. I don't know anything. <laughs> yes. He's like, let me open the book and show you. This is where you start reading. <laughs> so 2020 was a really weird year for everybody. It was a lot of surrender for us. That happened to be the years the girls were conceived. And we had a midwife right off the bat. I did not want to participate in anything that looked like a Hollywood type of birth. And so I was adamant about getting a midwife and doing everything holistically. I also had a fear of needles. So again, I, I think a lot of my stuff was still kind of leaning towards fear. So if I ever rewrote, you know, how I did things, I would say I'd rather not have leaned so much into my fear and doing the midwife thing that way. But I am grateful for my midwife. She was so amazing. I met her through my chiropractor. She didn't advertise. She was just a Mennonite woman who has helped women birth so many children. And she's just, a, she's the best person I could ever, if I ever like him and looking at who do I want to be when I grow up? I want to be like her. She taught me so much about just ways to take care of your body while you're pregnant, ways to nourish your body. I had already started doing more of the metabolic eating and essential oils, chiropractic care. I had dealt with chronic pain the first three years of our marriage. And then the Lord, I'm just skipping over this amazing story just because there's too much. Uh, he totally healed me from that chronic pain. He made my leg like literally grow the size it needed to go so that I didn't have such a weird walk. And I'd asked him to do that before I got pregnant. And he did. Like I got pregnant a month later. <laughs> wow. The funniest thing though was we found out we were having twins and the word for that year, every year I get a word that I just like ask the Lord to give me a word that I can meditate on all year. The word was more. <laughs> So did you find out right away that it was twins? Did you go in for like an early ultrasound? So we we weren't going to do an internal ultrasound. It didn't seem necessary. We kind of just did it for fun because my father-in-law, he is a doctor here in, in Joplin and he works at a clinic called Choices. I think it was called Life Choices. Now I think it's just called Choices, but they do ultrasounds for actually a lot of care. They don't just do ultrasounds. They, they take care of women who are in a bad situation and they are pregnant and they don't lean towards the abortion thing like Planned Parenthood. They lean towards helping them get the resources they really need. And so my mom has worked for them too. So they knew my whole side of the family and they knew him and they said, that would be so cool if we could do your ultrasound just for fun and you guys could see your baby. Because technically the 20 week appointment one is kind of far. So we went in with my whole family. So Seth's side of family, my family, thinking is this going to be a cool time to see this baby? It was Mother's Day and we were in town and the dog is out in the car and we're just like, gonna see the cool shot of our baby. And so thankfully the tech 
had said, hey, why don't you and your husband do this first and then we'll bring everybody in. So you guys get a moment. And so I'm really, really grateful for that because she is doing this ultrasound and I don't know what possibly had just triggered in my brain that this could be what she's talking about. But she goes, okay. And I'm like, are you about to tell me we're having twins? And I think I thought I was joking, but I actually was asking. And she goes, yeah. And I was like, wait, what? And she's like, you're, there's baby A and there's baby B. And my husband and I just were in shock. And she's like, do you still want your family to come in here? <laughs> like, what is this? What is this? Uh, I said, yeah, I mean, they need to figure it out. We need to figure this out together. We can't just like sit around for a few months and then tell them. And so they come walking in and me and my husband are like just so nervous and I have to be very calm because the ultrasound is still in progress and she's getting measurements and um my mom looks at me and she's like got this angry face like this is a beautiful moment why are you mad why do you look so frustrated why do you look like scared or whatever and then uh the the tech is like okay so this is baby and baby's little feet and little head and then there's baby feet and my mom's head snaps and looks at me and she's like that was the first thing she said. It was so sweet. It was a beautiful moment, too, because once the ultrasound was over, I sat up and I lost it. I was like, what about our birth plan? Like, what about home birthing? I wanted to do home birth and I don't want to have twins in a hospital. And I, I just freaked out. And the tech was a Christian. This whole place is a Christian facility. And we were the only ones there. And she's like, can I pray with you? And I'm like, yes, please. So we get in a circle and we pray together. And then she hands me the folder of all of our pictures and we walk outside and I freak out again. I'm like, I don't want to have twins at a hospital. It's all about the hospital. I really didn't want to have twins at a hospital. I look in the folder and again, this is a Christian facility. At the front of the folder, it says, and it's the plans to have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope in the future. Jeremiah and 29. The Lord has been, he was with me through that entire process. Every step of the way, when I had a moment of fear, if there was ever any moments of fear, he always had his truth sitting right next to me at that exact moment. I started putting scripture around my whole house on note cards so that I didn't ever have a moment where I didn't have his truth just readily available because fear is so readily available, especially when you carry multiples. Again, I am thankful for my midwife. A believer. And she did not let me cower to fear. She did not give me the statistics on how hard twin birthing can be and how hard it can be to have, you know, to carry twins to full term. She told me all of her success stories. She told me everything about how this is the same pregnancy that it was before. You just had two babies in there now. (laughs) I mean, the babies were always there, right? Now you just know that's the only difference. <laughs> yeah. So we did a reevaluation. I was healthy. There was no issue for, you know, me. I didn't have uh, like my placenta was in the right place. Everything was looking really good. So we said we wanted to continue trying for a home birth. But Arkansas law states that you cannot have a twin home birth. What? The state of Arkansas has made it illegal to birth children of more than one at a time in your home. Yes. And look, I mean, if you want to try a free birth, then you're free to do that. But you can't do it with a midwife without her, my midwife losing her license. Oh, my goodness gracious. That's crazy. And unfortunately, that's a lot of a lot of states in the U.S. 
So when we were trying to figure out how to do this, we couldn't find that many states that allowed this. So I had a friend in Michigan who home birthed twins at like 42 weeks, too. I don't know how in the world she carried them so long, but she did. <laughs> and she home birthed in Michigan, which has super strict laws on pretty much everything, I feel like. But yeah, of all places, Arkansas. Interesting. What was even harder was finding out when I did go to an OB just to kind of get an interview in that if I wanted to have twins with them, with anybody in the medical world, I was required to have it in an OR. So I couldn't have even a regular delivery in my, in like the the delivery room. I had to go to the OR in case it turned out to be a C-section, which with everything I knew about how we birth and how we as mammals (laughs) need to have a quiet, calm environment, the OR is a possible place to do that. That is so shocking to me. So Do you think because you were pregnant and expecting and going to be delivering in the middle of the COVID stuff, do you think that impacted it? Because for me, I mean, my twins are 13 and I birthed them in a standard birthing room in the hospital. I did have the OB try to tell me that he was going to book the OR and that I was going to have a C-section. And I told him, absolutely not. They went in one way and they come out the same. (laughs) And he didn't like that, that I told him that. I'm like, listen, baby A's head down. If baby B's not, we're just going to flip her. That's just what we're going to do. She's going to come out. He didn't like my responses. My husband almost passed out the second the OB said OR. I'm like, it's not happening. So the Lord actually worked everything out miraculously. And I had them 13 years ago in a hospital room with an OBGYN and a bunch of nurses. I think that the it, hospital has changed its policy, obviously, in the last 13 years. I think right. it wasn't it wasn't when COVID hit. I think it was in the last five to six years. Okay. But I don't think it was anything related to any sort of statistics. I wouldn't say that if they were actually paying attention to statistics at all, they would stop doing a lot of the things that they're doing and like start bringing in more midwives and allowing for more options for like water birth and other things that I understand, it's all based on policy. And that's where it gets really sticky because I didn't want to be stuck in the middle of a policy and right. then fall through the cracks when I know that that's where the statistics are showing that our mortality rate in America is abysmal based yes. on other countries. And so I was really heartbroken and I messaged with my midwife and was like, what do I do? And she goes, well, let me just tell you that Missouri does not have any laws against twin birth at home. So we moved back to Joplin. Um, We kind of were already discussing that a long time ago. It was another thing I'm going to never list. I was never going to move back home to Joplin. And the Lord put it on our hearts to actually move to Joplin before we knew anything about Missouri law. But my midwife was like, I can still be your midwife and I can help you give birth in Joplin because where she lived was the perfect middle. You know, she could go to Joplin or she could go to Arkansas. So we teamed up with the team here in Joplin that was ready to go if there was ever any emergencies. And then she was always ready to answer any questions for me. We had a lot of great birth prep. I learned a lot about what I wanted. If we ended up in a hospital, what I wanted to abstain from. 
and what I wanted to do more naturally, even if it didn't in a C-section. And so you included that in your plan. You had your plan A and then you're like, okay, plan B, if this happens, I have this. Starting to form. <laughs> okay. <laughs> fully form. Well, I'm just impressed because I had zero plans when I went in for any of my deliveries. My plan was to exit the baby. Yeah. <laughs> I And whatever I mean, means necessary. I wasn't really planning a lot. Really, what I kept feeling the Lord telling me to do is just keep surrendering and like trust the process. I didn't even have a hospital bag packed. I came in, I, I was 36 weeks and two days when the girls came. My midwife had just come at 36 weeks for our 36 week appointment and we tested for group B strep. Yep. Cause that's the time that you test for that. We measured my belly. She said I hadn't, I was really, I was dilated at a two, but I'd stayed dilated at a two for like a few weeks. It's pretty common. And I wasn't having any contractions, no Braxton Hicks. So we kind of thought it would be a few more weeks. That was really when I started kind of feeling the weight of two babies, but everybody joked that I didn't look like I was pregnant with twins. I'm a tall person, so that just tells you. I mean, I have a lot of room to carry these babies, but that night my water broke. I had just been given a whole kit, all the birthing stuff kit, and I tested that fluid and I texted my midwife immediately. It was four o'clock in the morning and she goes, okay, I will be on my way as soon as that's done because you have some time. So to go back to sleep, put on a pad, obviously, and then try to relax because you're about to have a really long day or two. Like she didn't know how long it would take. She had the team here in Joplin come and check my vitals, check on babies. Everything was looking good. Baby A was head down. Baby B was ready to go too. She was just all excited. Raylan was baby B. Remy was baby A. And uh, we went on 31 hours trying to get my labor to progress. I was given labor aid. I was given all these really amazing natural options. And it did progress with that. And then at some point at active labor, I mean, I kind of stalled. At that point, something happened and it started kind of going backwards where I was, it was kind of swelling. That's the word that we're going <laughs> to use. I was swelling and it was making it even worse for the girls to come through. And so my midwife had one last option to give me a um, a Benadryl to kind of calm me down. Because I was like, you know, I was praying. I was singing. I was going through labor with so much just like, I'm like, I'm a racehorse and I'm going to do it. And she's like, I need you to relax. And I was like, I can't, I can't, I mean, I wasn't freaking out, but I was just like hyped and ready to meet my girls. I was in the, you know, pool. The pool was amazing. I was like, I was doing all the things that I knew I was supposed to do. But at some point it was like that door started slowly closing on us. And by eight hours of active labor, I was stuck at an eight. And she said, you have two options. I'm not going to force you on one of these two. They they had prayed about this outside of my room. They they let more and more time pass. They were doing all these things to help me from uh, contracting any infection for anybody's listening and going what about the infection if your if your water's broken for so long? I was getting watered, I mean, every five seconds. I, she said I, I was her best patient because I would drink anything that they came in and I would just chug it. I'd chug my water, I'd chug my protein shake, I would chug like any of the labor to like bring labor on. I didn't have any qualms with it. I didn't freak out or anything. And so 
she said I was her best patient, but unfortunately that doesn't always change the the end result. I had two options. One was to go to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and they knew of a birth, a birth center that would take me. She had been calling around telling my story and they said that they could do it and, and give me an epidural, which would help with the swelling and the vaginal birth that we were looking for. Right. But it was in Oklahoma and I was at an eight and I was like, nope, next option. And so she said the next one was to, to go to the local hospital. They will give me a C-section because my water has been broken for 31 hours. And COVID was annoyingly in the way because my midwife was not allowed to come into the hospital at all. So even though she had been treating me for eight months and has all this information on her tablet to tell the doctors all the stuff that they need to know about the babies and me, they did not let her in. She knew that that would be the case. She told me that a long time ago. Oh, man. And so that was really heartbreaking. But they did a great job. We came in. I don't remember a lot of it. I was very in and out of it. My husband brought worship music in and we worshiped through the C-section. The OB was a doula. And the OB was a she doula. He was, was a doula before she was an OB. So she was very natural minded and she did my stitches in a way that allowed me to have a, uh, a vaginal birth if I wanted to after all this. And the that's, divine. Just, that's a divine appointment because you didn't want to be in the hospital to begin with. <laughs> You were like, this is not how I want my story to be. This is not the birth story that I want. Yeah. But you were still open to allow the Lord to do whatever he needed to do. And he was like, listen, I've got you covered. You don't even need to worry about it. I said, I'm not going to get an OB because the OB that gets me in the hospital will be the one we were going to hire anyway. So what's the point? <laughs> right? That's so cool. So postpartum, afterbirth here, part of your plan was to keep your placenta to encapsulate it. And my <laughs> listeners may think that's a little quirky and others of my listeners may be like, yeah, I absolutely did that. That's totally the thing that you do, right? Sure, I have an array of listeners. I have men that actually listen to my <laughs> podcast as well. So they're probably like throwing up in their laps right now. So <laughs> no. OK, so that was definitely a fight in the hospital. It was hilarious watching the faces of the nurses. I'm in the middle of my C-section. I have my epidural or whatever is the spinal tap. Yeah. That was the thing I was always more afraid of than anything. But honestly, after 31 hours of labor, I felt it was a mercy. It was beautiful. Um, and I remember being so out of it. And then as soon as they gave me that, the uh, anesthesiologist said, that's your last contraction. And I just was like crying, like, oh, wow, that's amazing to know that was my last contraction because towards the end it was getting really hard um because we were transporting i was getting out of my rhythm and so it was getting really difficult to take on these waves and <laughs> the term contraction i think is a, is a very deceptive term because <laughs> contraction which by definition it is right it's the muscles contracting but it really should be like the squeeze of hell on your abdomen <laughs> and every bone in your body. Well, and if you have twins, most people don't know this, but you have a very high chance of having a lot of back labor because you have two babies in there. And so you can have front labor and back labor because you have twins. And, and that's what I was having. Side labor, toe labor, ear labor. <laughs> I'm pretty sure when I was in labor for my twins, I felt it everywhere. I felt yeah. all of the bones of every body that was involved in this labor crunching with every contraction. It was less than pleasant. No. Yeah. I don't think that my labor itself, I never look back and go, that was the worst pain I've ever felt. Because honestly, it 
really wasn't until we were in the hospital. And then it was the worst pain I ever felt because nurses were trying to ask me questions. Um, they were trying to get me prepared for a C-section, giving me the whole rundown of all the risks and stuff like that. They needed me to sign papers. And I was like, can my husband sign them, please? Right. I can't, can't even tell you how many times I, I nodded yes to questions. And they said, I need you to verbally say yes. And I'm like, I'm barely keeping my brain here on earth right now. I like, what do you expect? <laughs> I came in a robe. So that tells you how prepared I am. I don't know that. Um, so yeah, like the, the labor itself was fine. Towards the end, it was the, the chaoticness of people needing me to be alert. And I was just not there. Um, Again, I wish that my midwife could have been there to answer those questions because that would have been like partnering with the the awesomeness of knowing we have a C-section option one, you know, if you need it. And then the awesomeness of that that time tested midwifery care. Um, so that would be great. Can we can we get working on that? Um, so yeah, I remember being like a totally different person talking to everybody once the spinal tap thing had, I could feel it. I was all shaky because at that point, uh, it's feeling my body was in shock. So my whole body was shaky, but I was like, Hey guys, how's your Friday going? You know, this is hard. This is really hard. (laughs) Yeah. I'm talking to the anesthesiologist and I'm talking to the, the, the OB and, the babies come out of me and I'm like, if they have an APGAR score to, above a seven, I just want them on my chest as soon as you can do that. And they're like, okay. And I'm like, if you can also let the the placenta stay connected to them as long as possible, that would be great as well. Because I want some of that cord, I want all the cord blood they can get. And they're like, oh yeah, okay, that's, that's, we can do that too. I mean, with twins, it's complicated, but we'll try. And so both girls got about a minute and a half of their cord blood. I would have preferred more, but I'm grateful for the little bit that we were given. And I'm, I'm trust that the Lord was like, okay, I'll just rush all that blood so that they can have all the blood that they need. They were fraternal, right? They're fraternal. Yeah. So they each had their own placenta as well. Yeah. So I asked them, what are you going to do with placentas? And they like midwife or not midwife, sorry. <laughs> the nurse comes and she's like, uh, I mean, we're going to take it to the lab. That's what we do. I'm like, I would like to keep them. And she goes, what are you going to do with them? And I was like, none of you And I was like, you can, I mean, just put it on ice and then I'm going to take it home with me. I said, I I came here with two babies and two placentas and I am leaving here with two babies and two placentas. Thank you. (laughs) So They were very like sweet, but also like, you're a weirdo. And I was okay with it, whatever. But my babies were healthy. They were four and five pounds. They could not believe how strong they were. Both girls had an APGAR score above a seven. They never needed a heating lamp. They never needed any NICU time. They never needed oxygen. They were completely healthy, but small children. And we were there on a weekend. So I feel like we both slipped through the cracks and also made nurses really nervous because these nurses and doctors at this time were very new. And so they were like, I just feel like we should be doing something with these tiny babies, but we don't have to do anything with them. And I'm like, just bring them to me, put them in my chest. I will breastfeed them right off the bat. My husband will do skin to skin with them. We're going to be in this room all weekend just getting to know each other. And it is okay if you don't come in and continually disrupt me. (laughs) 
The only thing that really frustrated me about my health was they kept giving me Pitocin. I know I'm not a doctor, so I'm, I'm, I'm not so smart that I know what my body needs. I was very frustrated with them putting me on Pitocin as a preventative measure for bleeding when I knew that oxytocin from breastfeeding was going to do exactly that, actually more than the Pitocin could do. And so every nurse that came in, I was like, please get me off Pitocin. And they'd be like, well, it's policy. And I'd say, can you please like figure out how to break that policy? I'll sign something, but I don't want to be on Pitocin. And I don't, I never wanted to be on Pitocin. And so one night I was supposed to be on it for another day. And I just was like, God, please help me to just like detox it out of my body or just like let it turn into liquid, like water. I don't care. Um, but the pump broke. <laughs> the pump for the Pitocin broke. And the nurse comes in and she goes, I'll just say that there was an error and mom didn't want any more. And so Pitocin got off pretty fast because God broke the pump. And <laughs> the reason they do Pitocin is actually to help the uterus contract faster. That's their idea. And I think they probably keep you on it longer after a C-section because because now that tissue has been damaged because they've cut into it. So I think they feel like they need to force it to do what it's supposed to do because they don't believe that our bodies are innately designed to do exactly what they're supposed to do. So yes. I'm sure that they're like, oh, well, yeah, you know, breastfeeding will produce the hormone that's supposed to do it. But your body's not going to like produce that hormone now because we cut your uterus. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I had told the I told the nurses multiple times I was in labor for 31 hours before I had the C-section. I know that that increases my chances of my oxytocin levels being okay. It wasn't like I had a scheduled C-section and my body was like, "Wait, I'm in labor now? What?" You know, right? I didn't have any confusion. My body was very aware that I was about to have these babies, and then these babies. Every time they nursed, we did double nursing. So yep, me too. My control, honestly, give giving birth. <laughs> was cake compared to nursing and the contractions that came with the nursing them. And so I joked that, you know, that was like my best method of losing the baby weight was twin nursing. Cause I can try, by the time I left the hospital, I could fit in my jeans again. Yeah. So like it was so intense that I remember Seth would come over to the bed while I nursed the girls and he massaged my legs because those contractions went down my legs and that yeah. I could feel every bit of all that, that pain, all the pain medication that I was given did not even touch the pain of breastfeeding and the contraction from that. Yep. And so I was like, take me off the toes and he's not even your worst. Like I can't even think straight. Same with like any of the pain meds they gave me. I declined really because every time I did have it, I didn't feel mentally okay. And so I'd rather have the pain of all that and, and like the mental to- clarity. <laughs> yes. So he sent me home on some stuff, but I think I used it once and was like, I can't because I have to be mentally okay to give more to my babies. I couldn't think straight. I felt like I was back in that haze um, with birth control. And so I've always been more on the side of I will take the pain over the not being able to think straight uh, any day. I had such a great team of people coming in and help. My midwife team did come and they like took care of, you know, all the laundry, all the stuff we did while we were here for 31 hours. When we got home, it was clean. They gave us gifts. And my midwife did come back a week later to meet the girls and to do just a check on me. And she said, guess what came back? And I said, um, the group B strep test, because that was the only thing left. 
Yep. She goes, yeah. So that groupie strip test just came back. It's been a week. It shouldn't have been that long, but the lab, for some reason, it took forever. And it was positive. So if you had given birth vaginally, one or both of your daughters could have died because they were four and five pounds. We didn't have a NICU on cue. Like she said, as soon as those babies were born, they were going to have to do a whole, you know, checking and making sure. And they would have exhibited very, very, very quickly that they couldn't breathe well. So as much as it has been two, almost two years, I sit back and go like, God, you could have kept that from even being positive. But at the same time, we we were in the hospital when a friend of mine was thinking she was going through a miscarriage and nobody could go in and comfort her because COVID and we were right down the hall. And so like there were there is an appointment for all of us to be there. The girls just existing showed that God is good and real. And these nurses just kept saying, I cannot believe these babies are so healthy. And, That's you know, the doctors, they took all my junk and they were like, oh, it's getting crazy, but we're just going to lie. They sent me home with my placenta and had me sign a waiver that they, in fact, told me not to eat it. And I was oh. like... I mean, I'm not going to eat it. I'm not like going to just like take a bite like it's a hamburger, but thrown out of a frying pan. <laughs> yeah. My midwife had only just told me that it was an option to dry it out, crunch it up and put it in capsules and it should help with postpartum depression. And I feel like that helped a lot. I think when I would get kind of foggy brain or just kind of overly emotional on certain things, I took two capsules every night and I feel like it just overall helped me heal faster. It helped my mental health. It helped my breastfeeding. I think it really did a lot more than I want to give it credit for just because it's like gross. But I will do it all over again because I do think it helped. Yeah. My mom would be like, have you taken your capsules today? Because <laughs> I'd be crying. I'm like, no, mom, I don't think that's going to be the be all end all. Oh, that is great. What a beautiful story. I mean, you were fairly young, but not super young to be having kids. I don't feel like you weren't a teenager and you had been married for four years. So you'd known your husband for a long time before you guys welcomed these beautiful little girls. But for your first pregnancy to be multiples, that's <laughs> rather overwhelming. Yeah, I feel like you've managed it really well. You found out earlier than I did because I found out at my 20 week ultrasound. I didn't have a lot of time to prepare because then they came at 35 weeks and all of 15 weeks. That's less than half of my pregnancy to prepare to meet these two little girls. <laughs> I was like, oh. <gasps> Are you kidding me? That's a lot. And Sarah was only a year old when we got pregnant. I found out when she was 11 months old that we were expecting again. And then we found out like four months later that it was twins. <laughs> That's all. It was a lot all at once. But you had time to prepare and you took the right steps. I feel like now that I know what I know, I wish I would have prepared a little bit better instead of, well, it's kind of my personality, I guess. I am just kind of a fly by the seat of your pants. Like, I guess the Lord's going to do what the Lord's going to do. And that's how it's going to work. I feel like having that plan kind of prepared you and it, it helped you to be an advocate for yourself in situations that might have been really sticky for other people. Well, and I think that the Lord was teaching teaching me something that honestly hasn't even gotten through to my brain even now with almost two-year-olds, but he's never asked me to have a plan or have a direction. 
or even have a formula for how to get to his plan and direction for my life. Because in Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, I know the plans I have for you. He doesn't say you have to know the plans I have for you. And I think that that's where I always was. I didn't always fly by the seat of my pants. I've always been more on the planning side. I would take so long to make plans because I wanted things to be so detailed. And it was so prideful of me too, because I wanted those plans to be executed perfectly to prove I'm a smart and wise person. And then life just keeps telling me that there's no way to plan when, you know, you couldn't have predicted that the world was going to just completely go crazy in 2020. We already knew, but we know the world's going crazy. But like 2020 just really threw us all for a loop. And then the twins thing and all these things keep happening. The Lord keeps telling me, he kept telling me through my whole pregnancy, all I asked for was your obedience and your trust. And I have plans that will make themselves known to you at the right time. And the people and the appointments and all these things that you couldn't possibly plan for yourself, that's where my grace is sufficient. That's where my mercy comes in because you're a mom of, now I'm a mom of almost two-year-olds. We did have a health scare in the last three months where a lot of mom guilt could come in where I'm just like, I didn't plan enough. I didn't prepare enough. I didn't know enough. And God was like, even if you knew enough, even if you knew all the right things, as, as much as people say, I'm 25, and I know more than like maybe you knew at 25 about the holistic stuff. I still couldn't stop the train that was coming for one of my children. And the Lord is the one who actually was the one who kept her in his arms on that. And and I have to just stop thinking I can control anything. <laughs> right. My birth story alone should show you that. Right. And I guess it really depends on what the intention is in you making the plan, right? Like you said, for yourself, it was a pride thing. You wanted to feel like people looked at you and they were like, oh, you know your stuff. For me, I think having a plan is more mentally preparing myself for A, B, or C, like what could happen. And I think my husband tends to be more like that. He's going to look at, okay, this is the best case scenario. This is a scenario that also might happen. This is the worst case scenario. And I'm a, oh, we're just going to jump in and trust that the Lord's going to catch us if hopefully we don't hit our faces on like 3,000 limbs as we fall off this tree. You know, like (laughs) just leave the room for a miracle. (laughs) Right. You know, my friend Robert said it the best. He's like, you're really good at getting out of the way, getting out of the way so that the Lord can do what the Lord wants to do. I am not in the business of trying to take his job. I did not walk with him for the first part of my life. So for me, trusting him is pretty easy because I'm like, hey, I tried to do it myself for like 18 years and I messed that like way, way up. And even like the first few years of walking with him, I super messed it up. So like, I'm just going to trust you and pray about everything and then just go the direction that I feel like your spirit's leading me to go. Outside of that, I have no clue. So (laughs) and I was like that even with my births. I went in and I was just like, well, I I honestly think in the last few years alone, there's been more and more ideas behind how much we can control with our bodies that there's more option now. Like when someone gets pregnant, the first thing people ask is, are you going to keep it? And that was never a question you could ask, you know, early, early. It's so mind boggling to think that we think we can control those things. Too many, too many things. We just have to like trust the process. And the same with breastfeeding. I remember people already having an opinion on that, especially because I had multiples. I was like, there's no way you're going to do that, are you? And I'm like, I mean, if my body keeps up, yeah. 
And every night I, I prayed over my breasts. I prayed that my body would be able to sustain two children. And that especially in that time, there was also that infamil craziness going on in inflation right. diapers. And so we did cloth diapering because we're broke and 24. And we were just like, just trying to figure out how we're going to pay for them. But I was like on the side of let's do cloth diapering. I'm going to breastfeed them. And if we need to get formula, I'm going to like lean on the side of more like goat's milk. And I knew what I was doing when it came to that. But I, I just prayed that the Lord would just sustain them that way. We had a beautiful breastfeeding journey. One of my kids still breastfeeds. The other one probably would, but we have her on a really weird diet at the moment. And so I think that we just can't possibly be given so many things to decide when God is the one who set that in motion. Women were supposed to give birth. We're supposed to have beautiful marriages. We're supposed to breastfeed and like all these things that should just feel so natural have been questioned so much. Very well said. Thank you so much, Courtney. Thank you for sharing your story. It is a beautiful story, and I pray that it touches the hearts of so many people listening, that it empowers them to know that if they find themselves in a situation, that they can lean on the Lord, that, you know, Jeremiah 29 says that he does have plans, and those plans aren't just for one person. Those plans are for every single person created in his image. If anybody would like to follow you, because you did mention at the beginning of the interview that you are a Christian artist, can I throw some links up in my show notes? And would you like to kind of tell them where they can find you to find your music? Yeah, absolutely. Um, My Instagram and YouTube are both Courtney Adele, um, A-D-E-L-L-E, not Adele like the British singer. And uh, I have a few music videos out on YouTube that are really just super inspiring. So, but I think it, it does inspire a lot of more surrender. My music is a lot about surrendering and letting the Lord just lead you where he tells you to go. Absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I pray all of our listeners appreciate it as well. Thank you for joining us this week as we were able to journey through Courtney's birthing experience and being a new mom of multiples. I will have all of her links below for her Instagram, her YouTube, and also the book that she recommended at the beginning. Don't forget to check out our affiliate link with Rejuva Minerals, which is an amazing US-based company that has the Made Safe seal. They are verified by the EWG. I have used their products for over 10 years, probably closer to 12. It's the only makeup line that we'll allow in our home at this point. So don't forget to check them out. Click the links below. You can find my Instagram, Facebook, and our YouTube channel down there as well. I pray that you have an amazing week, that you love on your family, and that you build your home with your own two hands.